How would you respond on the worst day of your life? Would you take it in stride? Would you cause more damage by your response? Or zooming in a little bit more, making it more immediately applicable, how do you respond to people you don't like? Or maybe those irritating situations, or stressful decisions, or maybe even just the pace of your everyday life. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and in today's episode, we are going to hit a chord that everyone listening in will hear and understand. Conflict and our response to it. The conversation today was with Darcy Loma. She's a founder and CEO of Darcy Loma Coaching and Consulting, and we drilled into this very practical and ever-looming topic of conflict. What it is, what it isn't, what causes it, how should we respond? This episode is for people who desire more from their relationships, both professional and personal. If your desire is to make those relationships better, you are in the right place and you're going to gain a ton from Darcy. She was faced with a choice only days after she and her team launched the Thoughtfully Fit framework. Now her choice was, would she put into practice what she and her team were preaching or which she given to the pain and fear of a shocking phone call. I have uh, a company that focuses on how to create high-performing people and teams. And so everything I do focuses on, uh, through coaching, consulting, and speaking, how to help people be more effective and how to lead their lives in a way that has the greatest impact and can you know, reach the mission and the goals of what they want. I think this is good maybe to start us here. On your website, um, I know that there's a section called Thoughtfully Fit, and it goes into a bunch of different things that tie back into what you just said. I'd like to hear more about this framework of Thoughtfully Fit, maybe a few of the goals, and then um, how did you get to what sparked this whole thing of Thoughtfully Fit? I have been coaching for more than 10,000 hours. I'm a master certified coach. I coach leaders, executives. I, I coach team members, individuals. And I started to notice, Steve, that there were some themes um, that kept coming up over and over again on, on the obstacles that get in the way of my clients being effective and being high performing. Over a period of, of a couple of years, started to put up all these flip charts and post-its and categorize. And we figured out that there are really six main obstacles, six hurdles that get in the way of people being uh, high performing. And that was the, the, the spark of creating this model called Thoughtfully Fit. Now, when you look at um, our society, we've become really ultra focused on fitness and health and, and being physically fit. Well, this is about training your mind. Where do you go to be thoughtfully fit, right? So if you want to be physically fit, every movement is going to be easier. And it's not even anything's easier. It's just that you get stronger. So when the elevator's broken, it's it's no problem to take the stairs, right? Yep, because you've built up those muscles, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so when you're thoughtfully fit, your, your life isn't easier. There's still going to be adversity and challenges and struggles, but you're stronger and you have more capacity to deal with that adversity and that conflict that, that comes your way. And so that was the, the, the background. And so these, these six obstacles, these themes became thoughtfully fit. So there's six practices that come with it. And then, and then there's a core. And just like if you're strong physically and you have a strong core, you're, you're, 
less likely to get injured and everything mm-hmm. easier. It with Thoughtfully Fit, the core is to pause, think, and then act, right? So because a lot of times people, when they're not thoughtful and they don't have a strong core, they they do things they later regret, right? You overreact, you snap at people, you maybe say yes when you mean no, or you just miss opportunities to connect more deeply with others. So to bring it all together, after a couple of years of researching, we developed on this Saturday in March, this was in, in 2016, Thoughtfully Fit as a model. It officially came to life and we were so excited to bring it out into the marketplace. I love the analogy, actually, because it ties really well to if you don't exercise these muscles when you get into these situations where you need the strength to not snap back at somebody, well, you haven't done the mental sit-ups to get strong in that area. But prior to that, what was it from your standpoint that got you you know, to, to see this has to be part of uh, my business because I'm living this thing out or you know that kind of stuff? So thoughtfully fit came to life because I wanted people to be more effective in handling their lives and, and seeing all these themes of what gets in the way. Uh, we solidified the model on a Saturday. And five days later, my life blew up in the most extreme way. I got a phone call from my neighbor asking what was happening at my house. And I said, I I don't know. I'm not at home. Why? And she said, well, Darcy, there is a SWAT team outside the house. There's 50 uh, police officers with guns. And uh, they just took out your husband barefoot in handcuffs. And he wouldn't look at us. And I said, what? What are you talking about? I was absolutely, completely in shock. Well, what happened, um, Steve, was uh, what I came to find out is that my my husband of 10 years, the next day would have been our, we were celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary. Um, and we had two young daughters who were eight and nine at the time. My, my husband, John, stayed home full time with them. Uh, he was arrested for sexual assault of a minor that he had met online. And my life literally blew up and I became ground zero for test driving this new model that had just been crystallized five days earlier because while John had a whole legal uh, uh, situation to deal with and ultimately he, he, when he left that day, he never came home and he is serving a 10 year uh, prison sentence. I all of a sudden became ground zero because I had to hire my own attorney, not knowing what was going on and being blindsided. I didn't know if I was at risk. And my attorney said, Darcy, don't talk to anybody about anything. And all of a sudden, my hands were tied. And, and, and what I would normally have done when adversity strikes is, you know, call my mom, call my friends, call my therapist. And all of a sudden, all I had to rely on was thoughtfully fit. And I test drove this model. And so now I'm passionate about helping others because if it can if it can help me navigate the worst thing that's ever happened in my life, I know it can help others when mm. they have conflict, when they get that, uh, that bad news, that cancer diagnosis, when their boss snaps at them, any kind of situation that, that's challenging. So you were forced to implement and test because of this like world shattering experience. I don't even know what a follow-up question that would do justice to the story you just told, but maybe what did you experience? What, what did you feel? What did you uh, change with the thoughtfully fit model? What did you tweak? Where, where did you find comfort in this whole process? You're right. And, and the only thing I would say when you say you were forced to, absolutely. However, it, it, it was a choice. And I, and I think um, that's, that's true. That's right. True. There, yeah. there was an opportunity just to sort of shut down and to, to hibernate. And to, I mean, 
And, and so it, 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 because I have these young girls who all of a sudden their support system, their dad who had cared for them every day of their life was gone, was ripped out in a moment with no notice. It, it was a choice. I'm like, I got to figure this out for, for myself and for my daughters. And, and of course, for, for, from, for my clients, my business for the future. And so, so, so let me give you one example where when I talked about the core, and, and that you, 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 when, you're, when you're thoughtfully fit, you're really handling yourself thoughtfully in every interaction. And the way you do that is, is to pause. You, so instead of you know, overreacting or snapping, you pause and think first and then act. So a couple of days after the arrest, um, I had a phone call from a parent of one of my daughters who she called and she said, Darcy, did you have anything to do with this? And oh my God. Steve, I was, I was absolutely shocked because I had, it had never dawned on me that anybody would be questioning me in this. Mm-hmm. And so in that, in that m- moment, I, 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 oh my God, no, I didn't. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you if they find, if I, if the police find any pictures or videos of my daughter, uh, I, I'm going to send the mafia of your house. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so my initial, my initial reaction was, fear and anger. And I wanted to snap back. And, and literally in that moment, I, I, I had to pause like, okay, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Right. And the think is all about asking questions in that moment. And in that moment, I thought, okay, what's happening right now? She is scared. Her daughter spent a lot of time at our house under my, uh, my ex-husband's supervision and care. She, this isn't, she's, this isn't personal. And because I was able in that moment to slow it down and pause and think about what was happening for her, I was able to act more thoughtfully. Instead of overreacting, I was able to say, I, I absolutely understand what your fear is and I'm scared too, and we will get through this. That's one tiny example. And there are hundreds where I had to use this model to help me to get through when there was conflict, when there was tension, so that I didn't react and snap in a way that then I would have had to go back and clean up the mess, right? right? Because right. I said something that I that I would later regret or that would make things worse. And how many, remind me again, how many years ago uh, did, did the whole thing start? Next week is the four-year anniversary, actually. So it was, it was March of 2016. And um, it, 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 it took me a couple of years to get to the place where I actually am now, where I've got healing and, and I've recovered. I have, um, I've rebuilt my life. My daughters are thriving. Um, my business didn't shut down. I actually am in a place where I have forgiveness uh, and mercy for, for my ex-husband. And I just wish him all the best. Man, so... Uh, there is 0% chance I'm going to do the rest of this interview justice based on the groundwork that you just laid. But first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that um, because that might be the most valuable thing that I- people listening in get from this is that there are people out there who have had their world rocked yeah. and they didn't lose hope. They were able to thrive post horrible thing happening. And your story draws me in and the people that are listening in, I'm sure, into how did you do this? So that's for for the remainder of our time together, if it's okay, even though I'm not going to even be able to touch 25% of the content on your your website and what we just covered, I'd like to uh, uh, zoom in a little bit on on one piece, if that's all right. So uh, for the time that we have left, 
if we could jump into the power of positive conflict, because you just laid tremendous value and groundwork and uh, validity to that concept that's on your website, the power of positive conflict. So what is this all about? Uh, I love this topic, but what does it actually look like? And, and how, how does that play into the thoughtfully fit framework? Great question. And um, a lot of people listening will, will, will be able to relate because they've had some major event and a lot of people listening will absolutely not. And, and so I want to, I want to just share that when we talk about conflict, it, it might be something big where your life is blown up in this way, or it may just be where you have a coworker that you just can't get along with and you're triggered mm-hmm. and there's conflict, or there's, you have a, a neighbor or a, you're on a, a committee that you lead, right? So conflict and adversity can show up in lots of different ways, big and small. And when we look at um, thoughtfully fit, and we look specifically through the lens of conflict. It's all about being able to, to show up thoughtfully. And, and really what, what's key is that you have the courage to state your truth, right? A lot of people, when, when we look at the continuum of conflict, um, at one end of the extreme is avoidance, right? I'm not going to, it's either out of fear or out of, I just, I just it'll get better. I don't, I'm not going to say anything and, and of course, it usually doesn't get better. As a matter of fact, it often gets worse. And then mm-hmm. the other end of the, the spectrum is toxic conflict. What we're looking for is how do you have healthy, positive conflict? Because what's interesting, Steve, is the strongest teams and the highest performing organizations and the best leaders actually have a high degree of conflict. But what's different is that it is positive conflict. It's respectful. And it's based in the notion that you have the courage to state your truth, to to, to be direct in what you uh, feel about a situation. And then you can state it with compassion so the other person can hear it. And then you have the curiosity to find out what is the other person's truth? Like what is frustrating for them? Where are they getting triggered? So that you can stay in this place of healthy, respectful dialogue. Because what I believe and and what we espouse in the Thoughtfully Fit model is that conflict isn't negative. Every relation, I challenge you to think of any relationship you have that doesn't have or hasn't experienced conflict. Conflict is an indication of something trying to happen. And so if you can hold that and figure out how do we stay in this? What's the request behind the complaint, right? What's trying to happen in this system instead of stonewalling and disengaging or going to that toxic level where there is blaming and criticism and defensiveness and contempt, which is what shows up when when the, when the conflict becomes toxic. If you could go through those one more time, the difference between positive, some of the descriptors that go between the positive and negative conflict, like how, to, to, to readily identify Okay, this can. This is how you you the guardrails, or this is the this is the path for positive conflict, and these are some descriptors um, of negative conflict, like the ditch on either side of the road. <laughs> I love it. That's a great metaphor. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's some research. The Gottman Research Institute has identified so that there's there's four toxins that show up. So when when co- conflict is not handled in a healthy, positive way in real time, these toxins show up. And let me just give you an example of how they start to build. First toxin is blaming and criticism. So if you think about in the workplace, somebody comes to you and says, you know, you didn't, and they start to blame you or criticize you for something. That evokes the second toxin, which is defensiveness. 
And defensiveness is really a way of blaming or something or someone else, right? Well, I didn't, I didn't do that report because I didn't have what I needed from Joe, it, it, right? So mm-hmm. once there's blaming and criticism and defensiveness in the system, if that goes to the place where it's not being addressed in a healthy, positive way, the third toxin enters, which is contempt. And contempt is the most poisonous because it goes from being about the behavior, I'm frustrated you didn't get this report done t- on, on time, to a, a, the person. You're an idiot, right? And so once contempt is there, the fourth toxin often isn't far behind, and that is stonewalling. And stonewalling comes into the picture oftentimes because you're emotionally flooded. You, you, you have to have a release and you don't know how to design a healthy, positive release. And so you stonewall. You physically leave the room. You passive aggressively don't reply to the email. You sit in the meeting with your arms crossed, rolling your eyes. Those are what are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And that's what happens when it's not positive conflict, but rather toxic conflict. Now, playing a little bit of of devil's advocate, because I'm sure that you've experienced this in your years, your your personal uh, life, but then also as you've coached leaders and, and groups of people. So we've all got different personalities. We've all got different roles. You know, my role is different than yours and people that are listening in. Um, my gut reaction would be that the person with the authoritative title should be the one responsible for making positive conflict a priority. But these toxins seem to go way beyond titles. So since, uh, you know, you and I are friends and we're just talking, who who would you say is responsible for making this happen, for taking the first step? Like if you step one, step two, you've got these two horsemen, two toxins that are popping up. Now you've recognized it. Who's responsible for, for you know, backing into uh, positive conflict? Super easy answer. It's one word. You. <laughs> because if you're sitting there being the victim, I mean, it's easy to say, well, my boss should, should handle this and he should see this or my, if you want your life to be different, you have to be responsible for showing up differently. Even when it's hard and life throws you a curveball, if you want to get to a place where you have positive conflict. And so, so you're the one that has to step in and decide that you want things to be different. And I'll tell you, when I'm, I, I do a lot of work in, in organizations and teams where there is conflict, and one of the things where the, I see the organizations that have the strongest shift to a healthy culture is when they are investing in giving all of their employees, not just the executive leadership team, not just the bosses, the tools and the language to know how to step into and have healthy, positive conflict. So um, tying it back to your personal story, um, is there is there a moment in time when this clicked for you? The the You have the answer now, and it's very helpful and also sobering to have you, you know, uh, digitally point the finger back at me, which is very helpful because we need to start with ourselves. We can't you know, we can't give what we don't have, but obviously you have been through this in your personal life and professional life of identifying that it starts with you. So is there a point that you can remember that this clicked for you 
Um, how did you get to the point? What needed to be present? What was the soil? I don't know what the analogy is, but what is it? What was the soil that needed to be in place in order for this to grow? A great question. And one of the things I realized, Steve, so I've been studying leadership and conflict and team building and communication for 20 years. And so one of the things that I realized is when my life fell apart, it was like I had been training for this my whole life. I was ready. I, I didn't shut down. I was able to uh, to to to, to in, implement these practices because I had been training. So, so if you were going to go out on Saturday and decide uh, to run a marathon and you haven't been training, it's going to be miserable. It's going to hurt, and you might even get injured, and it's going to be hard. Then you decide, you know what? I'm going to train um, for six months and then do a marathon. That exact same marathon. Same hills, same 26.2 miles is not miserable. It doesn't hurt. I mean, it might be hard, but you can do it. You're fit. So what I realized when, when my life blew up is, oh my God, I've been training for this. I need now to, to start to implement what I'm doing. So what the good news is that just like if you want to, you know, start where you are and, and do a 5k, you, you, the first thing you do is, you know, go out and run, buy some really cool running shoes. And, and then you maybe jog four blocks, right? And then walk home. And the next day, maybe you jog five blocks and you walk home and you would be training and, and key is consistency. So in the same way right now, wherever you're at in your life, whether you have active conflict, you're frustrated, or you want to prepare for adversity that might strike, you can start training now. You can start when you're in the line at the grocery store and somebody cuts you off, instead of snapping at them, right? Or shooting a dirty look or, or, or reacting, you can pause in that moment, take a breath and think, what do I want right now to, uh, to, to how do I want to show up to, to sort of minimize this tension instead of escalate it, right? And you might just take a breath and smile at the person and say, oh, go ahead. You, you must be in a rush, right? And you act thoughtfully. So you can start practicing mm -hmm. building your core right now today when you're done listening to this so that you are stronger when the big stuff happens you have the capacity to handle that prior to the big event with your husband what i heard at least was that you were you were starting to implement this stuff you were already um using the analogy of the of the marathon uh, you were already in the process of uh, knowing that your muscles are going to be sore because you were already running 5 10 mile uh, uh, practice runs before the marathon. And then this thing happened with your husband. So it wasn't like you were going out on Saturday attempting to run a marathon because essentially yeah. if you wouldn't have been uh, fit, you know, in quotes, mentally prior to this and putting it into practice be before the uh, incident with your husband, it would have, you would have probably been injured to use your, your example. Absolutely. Um, and I would have probably injured other people, right? In the process, I would have overreacted to that woman who made that hideous awful comment oh made it out of fear she made she didn't it wasn't personal to me right i would have done damage and and i have uh, i've got four little kids uh as you know on my side so as as i'm hearing you talk about uh your own children that's where my mind went um right away was oh my goodness yeah the business is important but that is of way secondary importance compared to how you react in these moments when your kids are watching you and even to that point, Steve, it, it's not even just when there's conflict or adversity, but like if you're, you're, you've got a busy day, you've got a tough job, you drive home, there's traffic, you get an email that is, you know, somebody's angry with you, you pull in the garage, 
you open the door and all that negativity and, and, and stress comes spewing in, right? You trip over, oh, why didn't you guys put your shoes away and dinner's not ready? And all of a sudden, you know, that your unsuspecting family is, is, is absorbing that as opposed to you pull in the driveway, you stand with your hand on the doorknob and you pause and you take a breath and you think, okay, how do I want to show up? How can I let go of all this stress? What is the energy I want to bring forth to my family and these four precious children? And then when you walk through the door, you act thoughtfully instead of, right? So, I mean, it's, there's little mm-hmm. places that you can practice. What are some of the other landmines that we should be aware of that keep positive conflict from taking root? Now, a couple of things that I've heard you say, and this is where you can feel free, push back, correct me, but I've heard you say, um, I'm extrapolating here, but stress and inconsistency in doing the uh, fitness workouts, those kind of things and mentally preparing are two potential landmines. But if those aren't it, or if there are others, could you could you help us have foresight on what you've experienced? And, and um, it doesn't have to be huge conflict, but or huge issues. But what are those things that keep us from from positive conflict actually taking root in our lives? Absolutely. And I'm going to use that analogy that you're talking about taking root. And, and, and just share a quick uh, uh, story, a, a metaphor. When you have um, in your yard, if anybody's ever had a, a dandelion pop up, um, if you don't do anything, right? You just let that dandelion pop up and you do nothing. What happens? Oh, it's going to seed and dandelions are going to fly everywhere. Not, not, yeah. not, of course, my, my yard is perfect, but I've heard <laughs> that that's what happens. You know? You're right, exactly. Right. So, so in the same way, if it, when that first dandelion pops up this spring, you go out there and you take that little tool and you go in and dig it up by the roots and you deal with it, it, it takes you literally three minutes and it's done. And all of a sudden you, you, you have, you know, this, this nice yard instead of a yard filled with dandelions. Mm-hmm. This is really at a, for, for many people at the core and also a landmine that keeps people from having positive conflict is something happens that sort of rubs you the wrong way. Somebody says something, somebody disrespects you, somebody calls you out. And instead of dealing with it in the moment and taking two or three minutes to say, hey, I just want to touch, you know, that, that, that came across really harshly and I'm wondering what's going on. It, it seems like you're upset with me. What's happening? Instead, we ignore it and we avoid it. And we think it's going to get better, or I don't know how to have this conflict. And, and, uh, uh, you know, and I knew they had it out for me anyway, and, and we don't do anything. And then the conflict starts to spread and it, the roots start to grow. And then, you know, maybe somebody came in late to a meeting and you felt disrespected. And instead of going and talking to them and saying, Hey, what was happening? I, I, you know, I noticed you were late to the meeting and I said, we were going to start on time. And they might say, oh, I know, I'm sorry, my, my kid forgot his lunch and I had to cruise home. Oh, no problem. Next time, could you just shoot me a text and let me know? Instead of doing that, roughly, we leave the meeting and think, oh, you know what? He didn't think that, that it was a good meeting or he's disrespecting me or he didn't think I should get this manager position. And then you start to notice and what you look for, you find in life. So you start mm. to look for evidence that this person doesn't respect me. And all of a sudden you start to find that evidence and then the dandelions grow and take root and spread. And what you could have nipped in the bud by addressing it and dealing with that conflict when it was small, you don't. And all of a sudden now, fast forward, whether it's a year or, or, or 10 years, the toxins are present. That is so helpful and so practical. 
so we talked about stress and inconsistency, but then you just hit on not actually dealing with the dandelion. Like that's a practical thing. Go dig that thing up, but pause, think, and then act. Like if there's one dandelion, somebody walked in late, uh, that doesn't require you to bring a backhoe into your front yard and dig the whole yard up, right? Um, but then also what I heard, busyness. Uh, not having white space to actually pause and think. So the busyness of life, um, that dandelion doesn't get dealt with because, well, I'm just too busy for that. And, you know, basically I didn't want to deal with it anyway, but I'm too busy. So I'm just going to move on. And then I heard desire. So if it starts with you actually having a desire to to change, to deal with it, to lead, uh, am, is that is that right? Am I on the right path? Am I, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, absolutely. The other thing is, you know, if, if you're a couch potato and you don't want to go run a marathon, like fine, it doesn't matter. Be a couch potato, but then know that there's consequences, right? Whether it's diabetes or heart disease or whatever, but but it's your choice. You and so you have to have the desire to want to have things be different. You have to want to, and then that busyness that is one of the six obstacles. Uh, like I'm so busy, I don't have time to think. A lack of stillness. And, and so, yes, you, you're, you just highlighted some of those core tenants that are absolutely key if you want to be thoughtfully fit. So good. Um, so as we start to wind it down, uh, even though I know myself, I could go on for probably another hour because I'm very intrigued. We're only touching like we're, we're, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. With I, know, this I, thing. Steve. I love talking to you about this. Well, maybe we'll have to have you back and, and do another conversation, dive in. I mean, I would even love to to, to uh, really dive into the forgiveness piece that we touched on at the beginning of the episode. Like, how do you actually forgive when you have been wronged? But before we go down that trail, because I'm very tempted to do that, um, I, I, I want to uh, tie it back to the thoughtfully fit structure and some practical takeaways. So for even though we've had lots of different practical applications throughout this, what would we do like for now, practically speaking, where do people that are listening in, where do I start? That's great. So if you want some support, I've got a whole bunch of resources to help you. I mean, this is my passion. And so on, uh, on my website, DarcyLoma.com, you can go on and see every week I send out a, a, a Thoughtfully Fit Tips newsletter, and they're all archived there. And uh, also on my um, LinkedIn and Facebook, live, uh, Facebook pages, I go live every Thursday for Thoughtfully Fit Thursdays, where I'm sharing a vignette, a story, a, a client story where they struggled and how they were able to come through it and giving some quick, tangible tool or takeaway. In addition, I created a free gift for your listeners because I find that a lot of people, one of the cores to be able to uh, pause, think, and act is to ask thoughtful questions. And, and people often struggle with, wait, what does that mean, a thoughtful question? And they often ask detective questions or fixer questions, or right? And, and so um, I've created a, a thoughtful questions playbook. And it's a PDF. So if you just take out your phone right now and in the text where you would text in the two line, you would put 33444. So that's like where if you were going to text mom, you would actually put that number 33444. Mm -hmm. And then where you would type the, the message like, hey, mom, what's for dinner? You're just going to put TF playbook. So that stands for thoughtfully fit. So T as in Tom, F as in Frank playbook, all one word, no spaces. 
That will then ask for your email address and then you'll send that in. It'll send you a PDF of the Thoughtful Questions playbook that you can read. It's got case studies, examples. How do you ask thoughtful questions? You can share it with your team, you know, maybe with a spouse. <laughs> um, and then when you, when you sign up for that, you will be put on my mailing list and you'll automatically get those newsletters every Wednesday. And if at some point you want to simplify and don't want to get those, you can just unsubscribe at any time. So I literally, just to see how easy it was, when you said take out your phone, I picked up my phone off of the chair next to me, 33444, it was that easy. Got an automatic response. So I am uh, not only a believer with this interview and, and also the, the practical outworkings of it, but I'm, I'm now subscribed to it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you so much for the conversation here and your willingness to share a part of your life story. We are definitely going to have to tap back into you as a resource because there's so much more that we need to dive into down the line. You know, Steve, I, it would be an honor. And, and looking at that forgiveness piece, I, I spoke in, De, in Denver in December at, the, at a maximum level five women's prison. And part of what was powerful about it was, was forgiveness. And, and this is a whole new angle for me to be exploring. So if at some point in the future you want to explore that, it would be my honor. Thank you so much, Darcy. I appreciate your time. And, and um, yeah, we're definitely going to have to have that conversation. That's awesome. Thank you, Steve, for the opportunity to join you. So take away an action item. Take away. When faced with conflict, no matter the magnitude, I have a choice. My action items, because you know I can't just pick one. Number one, start with self. I am responsible for making a difference. Number two, as Darcy said in quotes, what you look for, you find. So find good. Number three, pause, think, then act. If you've gotten value from this episode, my ask is that you pass it along to someone you work with or maybe a friend who needs a boost. And if you're feeling really inspired, take a couple minutes, give us a review and a five-star rating in whatever app you use for listening to podcasts. Thank you for your time. If you want to connect with us, you can shoot us an email at impactpodcast at ccbtechnology.com or on LinkedIn, just look up Steve Shear. And as always, from all of us here at CCB, thanks for listening.